Pop. We're back to normal. Good morning. Hey. When you say that, it's almost like like a recording. Like I hear it the same way in my head every time. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you back in the shop. Yeah. It feels good. It's been a while. Feels like anyway. I have to remind myself that you weren't sick, that you were just on holiday. <laughs> just was super sick and flew all the way to Texas and it's a bad, it's bad look. Yeah. <laughs> Did I see you were up at like 3 a.m. today? Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Busted. No, oh, it's just trying to get kiddo back to sleep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Foolish, foolishly opened Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was there. <laughs> or it popped up and I was like, wait a second. Isn't it really early right now? I'm just used to the radio silence until about noon here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. How are you? Pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 How are you? Yeah. Good. Really good. What's good? Anything good? What's good? In particular? Yeah. Did you ever listen to a reply all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the Breakmaster Cylinder <laughs> space stuff. Yeah. yeah. I've just been listening to that whole album. <laughs> I feel like my my audio soundscape in my head is just like broken up clips of that that dog robot. If I make some strange noises, that's why. Give a rim. No, really good here. We have just wrapped up our end of financial year. Mm. The last time we chatted was our last day, and we were like push, 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 trying to get a few last sales across the line. To meet our made-up numbers, <clears throat> and we got our made-up numbers. Oh. It exceeded some of them, so, yeah, really good. So cool. Biggest year of sales ever. Is that, like, all sales? Yeah, all sales, yeah. and product. Cool. And made a little bit of profit. That's rather novel. That's good. It's a bit of cash in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> Team's flowing well. Yeah. No complaints. Very good. Yeah. Hmm. That sounds nice. We're making back to our conversation about money last time, but this is like the first time I remember having a product that felt like it was a really big change. I mean, every time I'd sell calendars, actually, back when I started that, like, and I had basically no overhead, it was always like cost from making them. And then it was like, oh, that seems like a lot of money because I like had no revenue otherwise. Yeah. But this selling the dust boot feels like the first time in a long time that's like it's made an impact rather than just like trickling out a few sales like, you know, enough people ordered at once that it was like, oh, well, we can buy the materials now and pay rent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's nice to get those little boots. I find that product launches as well. Like if we get a good little run on something over a short space of time, you get that nice injection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, yeah, like you say, it's different feels different to that job by job trickle. Oh, yeah. You're like, you've already spent everything by the time you're on to the next thing. We always talk about that, friends and I that do woodworking here, that I always call it, it feels like the business Ponzi scheme where you're like using <laughs> one job to pay for the next almost <laughs> is what it feels like, even though it's never really the truth. It just always feels like, well, that got slim. I better get another deposit here, you know, feed the beast. The cash flow beast. Yeah. So much of it rides on cash flow, I reckon. Yeah. Ooh, I've got two microphones on dual wielding. Well, I'll just leave that one on. <laughs> See if anybody catches it and you've just got both sides of your collar. New headphones. My, my bib. Yeah, no, I totally recognize that feeling. One job to the next. I mean, that's how we started, really. It was just one job to the next. Mm-hmm. Crawling. And you got out of it, though. Seemingly. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you, how do you do? How do you <laughs> tell us all how you did that? How? how? Good question. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to say volume. Yeah. At a certain point, it all just starts to overlap. And I reckon that's probably just for us and our, the size business we are. It's a certain number of jobs and it's a certain. Yeah amount of revenue per month that means that things just start flowing rather than yeah that makes sense i kind of we had very connected very fleeting moments of that 
when we were in the heat of the most job shop work we ever really did. I mean, I'm a broken record with this, but it always felt so fleeting. That moment would go quickly and with it, kind of the comfort. And, you know, sometimes we'd have people working more hours and then quite a bit more hours or overtime or something. And then all of a sudden, all of your your gains from that seem to disappear just as quickly. So it's an interesting scenario you're discussing of like how it turned into something more than that, I guess. I think consistency is key, really. Like for a long, a very, very long time, everything was very up and down and wavy for us. So we'd have a big run of work. I would stop quoting because I was busy trying to get a job out the door. Mm-hmm. We'd get to that end of the job and then it'd be this kind of quiet lull of like mm-hmm. post-job reprieve, which was nice in a sense. It's quite a natural rhythm in a way. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, then your cash flow is drying up. You're still paying people and it's not like there's nothing to do, but there's, it was that sort of that very lumpy structure yeah. flow. And so I think the biggest change for us over the last, really just in the last year or so, is just trying to get out of that cycle and even when we're busy, still make time, even if it's just an hour a day for quoting. But there's always fresh work coming in, you know, assuming you've got leads. I need those leads and I need them now or I'm out. Yeah, just that trying to keep everything more consistent and so the production flow stays more level, cash flow stays more level. And it's still it's still lumpy for sure, but it means that everything's kind of tracking much more stably. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That uh oh oh I remember. So you were saying something about the the ebb and flow of projects and I totally recognize that. It's like the ups and downs of all too much and then I would be bad at quoting or take too long and people would move on and you know same thing (laughs) um those poor people i'm sorry yes i'm sorry if you're listening (laughs) me too probably doing it right now on accident (laughs) but what i was thinking about that is laughing to myself was that's basically what my experience of going to school was like crazy amounts of intense activity and then like exhausted into a heap and partying for a weekend you know, partying, relaxing with your friends that you don't get to see ever for me anyway. And then I would go back to like the crazy again. And I, this is seemingly, right? Yeah. Well, element architecture school. And I feel like that's very similar to that same pattern. (laughs) Not that we have a party every end of project, but that (laughs) it's not, it was never that. I mean, we had moments of consistency, but I always felt like it was, Maybe, maybe for me anyway, dealing with more than just actually making the things, it's a lot of, a lot of, a lot just all the time, I guess, and never felt consistent Mm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Screw that. No, I don't know. Yeah. It's a strange thing. Mm -hmm. Um, As positive as the consistency is. I do find myself in a sort of constant state of overwhelm because there's no natural. I think it is quite inorganic to do this. Yes. It's just like push, 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 like like constantly gently pushing to Mm -hmm. maintain that constant workflow means there's very little downtime. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I can't stop thinking about that dog. Um, (laughs) We'll have to find that (laughs) one. <laughs> Good morning. Oh no, someone's podcast is having a pensive moment and they've run out of music. Hurry to the sad Marimba planet. Oh, he's got like all 30 albums on Bandcamp. It's amazing. Um, but there's no. Yeah, there's kind of no, it's not stressful, but there's no reprieve. And so I think what I need yeah. to get better at is like scheduling in some reflection time. Yeah. It's kind of forced myself to stop and think because I'm terrible at stopping and thinking. Like that's definitely one of my weak points. Um, but yeah. If I had to guess from what you've told me, I would guess your two other points of getting over the hump of the, the business Ponzi scheme were probably having a business manager and then Definitely capturing helps, yeah. data, capturing the data and then having to be able to use it then like going forward and quoting or like, you know, choosing a little more, I don't know, cautiously your jobs or something. I don't know. Kind of worked for yeah, me cool. at times. Qualifying harder. Definitely yeah. helped. Yep. For sure. 
Yeah. Quoting instead of just quoting everything. Yeah. Just trying to say no and mm-hmm. stuff that's better suited to us. Yeah. But I think that just that regular regularity and consistency is a big one. Yeah, for sure. Finishing my thought about money and new products. Usually I feel like it, yeah, you have the ebb and flow of like paying for the materials and the labor and all those things. So that, that'll still come. But what I'm excited and hopeful for is that a lot of people haven't discovered that we have this dust boot yet. Right. And that money should continue. The revenue still should continue. Whereas I feel like a lot of the things I've come up with, it's like there's a burst of interest and then it just disappears. And I'm, you know, exploring different ways to use advertising and, you know, getting in touch with people that potentially could want it because there's a lot of people. And then there's also other machines to go, you know, like yours to hopefully qualify. And we've been kind of experimenting with, I've been calling it the test fit guarantee, but it's like an idea for especially people maybe in the United States that if they don't, if we don't have a, like a compatible match for their machine yet, but we think it may work. They think it may work that we will give them a full refund and like pay for their shipping back if it doesn't work with their machine and they don't use it. So then we can say it works or it doesn't work. Yeah. So it's research for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't have any Great. concerns then. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really looking forward to putting that to the test and promoting it to be honest. Cause I think it's going to be <laughs> so much better. Yeah, I'm excited. I sent you that video the other day, right? Of like how small our little. I went to show. I went to show Ricky it, and it was a story, and I couldn't find it again. I was like, yeah. "Oh, Ricky, you should have seen how tiny their little duct was." Two inch. Now, now I'm touting size. So <laughs> here we are. Here we are. Yeah, what's because you're a shop saber, right? What's yeah. Shop Saber's market share like? Do you have any sense of how many machines there are out there? I think I remember seeing at one point there's 5,000 some machines over there. Okay. Man, I don't know how that was probably last year. It's really hard to say. I, I, I haven't tried to do any research, but... That's quite a few. It seems that there's enough people that have taken the time to contact us asking if we will make one for their machine or it'll work for their machine. Laguna or yeah. Avid or there's just, you know, there's a bunch of others. Multicam, somebody asked that it's a problem that seems like it's not well resolved. And I'm not going to say that ours is perfect by any means. And I think it works pretty well ultimately, but there's always a scenario where it's not going to work for somebody. And oh, for sure. yeah, yeah. we'll see how, how many, well, hopefully that it's far more than not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And no, I think could be a lot of potential there. Exciting. Yeah. I've always been attracted to the concept of making tools. Like, oh, yeah. I'm calling dust boot a tool, but tool related stuff. I don't, I'm not sure why, but there's something very attractive about making things for making things. In a certain sense, I've felt like the bar is low for mm. making. So you make the functional solution, but then the bar is pretty low to make it aesthetic too. You know, as long as it's not like too sharp and too blocky, usually it's like you did. Oh, that looks pretty cool. You know, like that'll do. Yep. <laughs> it's a, it's a bonus. Yeah. 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 Oh, and also being functional beyond just the bare bones functionality too. Like you've got that nice sort of magnetic yeah. stuff going on and just a bit more considered. Yeah. A bit more, bit more designed, I suppose. Can't help myself, honestly. It's nothing, nothing I'm doing. It's just my OCD. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. I don't, I don't, we're working on a couple other, I've just been calling it the duck tower. I think I posted in a couple stories, but we're working on this like thing that holds your duct. Yeah. <laughs> what? I just see a duck like quack, quack. <laughs> yeah. ducks, and then imagine you plug it, plugging that into the, oh, the dolly. Dolly. The dolly. I actually used that so much after I got into it that they limited me. I had I was banned for a certain amount of hours. They're like, you've done this too much. You need to go home. You've used your server allocation. Basically, yeah. Yeah, I have a lot. I I withheld just flooding you with way too many images of of things, but I have a lot that are honestly some are very disturbing. Like they're like taking body parts and 
mashing them around and it it's not like gory or anything but it's just like a little bit of a house of horrors sometimes awesome the duck tower to finish up we've done a few kind of mostly prototype very rough prototypes and it works really well it like holds the duct especially with the shop savers they have this air cylinder that makes the z be able to retract faster it basically takes the weight off of the, the spindle head so that it doesn't have to use only the motor and it's a great idea but it also sticks up like probably almost 20 inches over top of everything else so you've got this big thing that wants to catch the duct all the time oh, that's um, got that huge extension right okay yeah i was wondering so that's that. why we had that stupid i called it the smokestack which was just mm-hmm. a giant piece of ducting metal ducting that used to go up but anyway we've got this other thing because it's definitely a problem with shop savers that other people have and it doesn't there's never really been a good resolution so we are onto something and we're just kind of evolving it till we can turn it into something a little more polished and hopefully be something we sell to here soon cool awesome yeah we we had a really sketchy moment the other week which would have been wouldn't have happened if we'd had a baby pants (laughs) 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 so cutting all these birch panels for a climbing gym and it was such that the compression cutter was running like right down the edge of the sheet but leaving just a tiny strip of material and so getting all that like stringy strandy birch nonsense that you get sometimes Mm-hmm. which obviously wasn't getting sucked up by our pitiful dust extraction on that on Trinity. Mm-hmm. And so this, some of the stringy stuff got wrapped around the tool and then the machine went to put the tool back in the tool changer, which is the carousel tool changer, and had all this stringy nonsense on it. And the tool changer on Trinity has got this really weird mechanism where there's like a a turned probably like two and a half inch steel tube that's like almost a foot long. It comes oh. up out of the tool changer and the sort of park the tool in that and then it retracts. Anyway, the yeah. tubes the tubes are kind of loose and they just sit in the tool changer. Anyway, because of the birch spaghetti that was attached to the tool, the next tool got like stuck in this tube. Spindle picks it up. There's this bit of steel tube hanging off the bottom of the tool holder and then it turned the spindle on, like 10,000 RPM or something. John was out there. He's just said it made the most horrific noise as it tried oh. to spin up this lump of steel um oh anyway word. thankfully it didn't go anywhere yeah and john managed to get the east up fast enough but it shook the whole spindle loose off the gantry like all the bolts were loose like there's so much oh vibration. my word but yet didn't is this the one that has the potential uh, bearing problem no nah, there's the other one thanks no. <laughs> oops yeah, yeah. So that's exciting. Mm. that little thing that to- comes up goes straight up and down in z it doesn't have like a it's not going to like try to run through the side of your uh, potential new baby pants. No, uh, straight up and down. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Those are the kind of things I think about when people are like, will this work with my machine? And I'm like, mm. I don't know what kind of weird stuff's going on when a tool changes, but if you're just cutting, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but your tool changer's got that weird sort of horizontal load. Yeah. 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 So it, can, it can it can take some movement, but, you know, if it wanted to just like completely rotate through it should it's a flat plane oh, so it would go through like, the brush ultimately like, but like an umbrella to yeah you mean uh yeah yeah i've never something out with anything like that no that'd be crazy so you got a you got a ur robot that comes in and give me that it'd be sweet um i got some time on the machines this week actually because john's out sick and so josh and i had two days of playtime out on the floor Josh is usually stuck in fusion, and I'm usually stuck in quoting land. And uh, we've had two glorious days of slinging plywood chips, which was great, great timing actually, because we're trying to train Josh up as sort of a backup machinist mm-hmm. so instead of it always falling to me as being the plan B. Get Josh yeah. up so he can go out and cover on the machine. So it was good, great fun. Yeah, yeah. Were you working on the threadboard? I have been chipping away at that in my R&D slot, yeah. Just working on little accessories on the pencil sharpener. Those were cool. The board itself is pretty much resolved in terms of how we make that on the the other machines. But yeah, the accessories now are what I'm kind of focusing on, all the little pegs and bits and bobs. Yeah. Yeah, but it takes quite a long time to program a part 
I don't know if you saw that little reduced shank. Yeah. Double-ended part that I made the other day. So that was it's quite involved kind of, you know, drawing that part's easy, but then like programming it on the pencil sharpener to a point that it's safe and reliable takes quite some time. I've never fully understood. Like I said, maybe I should know the G-code better, but when you tell it you want to do a thread for a certain amount of length, are you doing that by hand? Nah, no, no. Okay. I was going to say, you'd have to calculate the points and the... I guess it's probably a upkeen cycle or something, but... No, the threading code all is just straight out of Fusion. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Yeah. And then you're just yeah. appending or inserting wherever you want, like, other movements and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Tool changes. Yeah, all that. Spindle changes. Spindle changes. <laughs> yeah. Got a... Got a quick, quick one here. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> there's your tower of ducks. Tower of duck. Thanks, duck thanks, Stella. Look at their faces, though. God, messed up. <laughs> this one's pretty good. There's like a giant one at the top. That's a goose. <laughs> Do we know how it works? I think it's got to be something that like it's eating other images and then mashing them up. But like that, there's perspective. Like, are they 3D models or are they collages? Dude, what's insane is you can say, like, I want it to be a photo, a cartoon, a rendering, tower made of ducks, 3D rendering. This is, this is great podcast content. Yeah, just wait That's for it. us to sit and uh, <laughs> this, guys. It's real fun. That's kind of crappy. Oh, it Even that, like it, it's got... <laughs> it's got a 3D model of a duck and it's built a tower of cake out of it, right? <laughs> it's a pyramid of duck made of ducks with a larger duck on top. It looks like a painting. So you can like shoot, say like I want a painting in the style of this artist, you know? Yeah, we'll throw some photos up, but I'll give you the one while we're sitting here. There's so many in here. Oh, Justin, Justin, what have you done? <laughs> oh my God. They're, uh... <laughs> I I didn't ask this is the bad part about these is I didn't ask for the rest I only wanted the baby pants by the sawdust you're going to want to see the YouTube episode this week that's incredible (laughs) don't even know know. it's very entertaining but so disturbing I'll stop there (laughs) amazing well, if I had your cell number in my phone, I would save some of those down as your contact picture, I think. Mm-hmm. We can do that. Yeah, just cut out all of that. Cut. <laughs> do you want nerdy things about Shopify and checkout and Airtable or oh, the lofty question of what's your dream product? Dream product? Jeez, that I want. That. I was thinking, like, what you want to make. Like, what's the thing you've always wanted to make, but you haven't been able to either figure it out or it's just too crazy to make? Mm. Oh, yeah, I've got something that kind of fits that category. It's <laughs> it's a part that I think I was just trying to justify getting a five-axis mill, to be honest. <laughs> I was trying to think of a, a part that I'd make on it, so it's like a little... It's a table leg system, basically. Yeah. So one of our key clients that I work with a lot works in the commercial sort of office fit-out space. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of demand there for a a leg system that can be adapted to sort of any tabletop or any oh, yeah. any size table, any size, you know, any ma- material. So we've bounced around a few ideas for a leg system and I've got this sort of five-axis aluminium part in my head Ooh. that would probably have then a threaded timber dowel or some other timber element that engage with it, but it's just like a lumpy bit of billet machined into a sort of a multi-axis path. Mm-hmm. Leg system. That's my answer. Leg system. What about you? And now all I can think is I want to make the image of the leg system in Dolly. He's <laughs> hooked. You know what's funny is I didn't think, as I asked you this, I was like, what would mine be? And I, I don't know if I know what that was. I tried, I spent a lot of time early on when I first quit my architecture job trying to make and sell this desk that I'm using. There's some images on our website. We just call it the oh, neck yeah. desk. I've seen uh, that on your website. Never really, it, I mean, 
I learned a lot about what to do and not do in products because of that. And it's kind of an interesting, I like, I'll never really regret it because I, I bought the CNC router for it basically. But I also didn't understand enough about, I don't know, selling furniture on the internet or how to make a profitable product that it just, it was always a labor of love. Like it never made, I think we've probably made a dozen of them or something. And it just kind of haven't totally killed it off, but I, it's kind of there for reference, I guess now. That was kind of my dream product for a while. I've always wanted to come back and make another version of a desk that is more profitable, that kind of embodies some of its characteristics, but that isn't impossible to make and is affordable for people. Quite complex. It's respectfully, it's very design school. Yeah, for sure. I designed it in school (laughs) Mm. and I was like, oh, I should make these someday. And had a lot of people tell me they couldn't make it or it it evolved from the time I started that process. But yeah, it's not a good product, I don't think. It never really was. Yeah. How do you feel about culling products? Have you culled anything? A little bit. The iMac bases, we've, we still have a few actually. It's like this. Yeah. Yep. But that's. You're cutting those off, are you? Yeah, they've discontinued that whole product line. So instead of making a new batch and having them sit potentially, I was like, well, maybe we'll make the new version. And we just never, I don't honestly like the way that I've tried different versions of that. I've had requests for them, but they did okay. But we kind of jumped into that at the end of the iMac line that it had the kind of wedge foot. But yeah. I'm honestly pretty bad at it. Other than that, I mean, I've kind of noted that those are discontinued. The desk, as you can see, is just up there still. And I guess I can't quite kill it off because it's like a a memory place for me or something. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I know that feeling. I've had products that I've hung on to probably too long because of some association I had with them. Yeah. Like there was one sort of a range of stuff that we used to make. It was kind of our first foray into plywood. It's how we Mm. ended up getting into ply as a material. And it was very simple and very lightweight. And it kind of, it summed up a lot of my feelings about how I like to design things in terms of honest materials. And it was completely unfinished for a long time. Yeah. Trying to make strong things from thin material. And I think, yeah, we, we probably hung on to that far too long till to the point where through the way our processes had evolved it became either completely unprofitable to make or we'd kind of our quality control standard had crept up and up and up over the years to the point Mm -hmm. where this product that was supposed to be very simple and bare bones had become kind of it was trying to be something that it should never have been it was trying to be sort of finished furniture and it became sort of got to a price point where it just didn't make sense anymore yeah, But yeah, I still hung on to it because I was sort of attached to some of the ideals around it and to where it had come from. Do people tell you directly like, hey, Jim, we got to kill this? Or do you think they're hesitant to? Uh, I think they're probably typically pretty hesitant too for the most That's pretty common. But we're, we're getting better at that. Like we're yeah. getting much more trigger happy in terms of just killing up things that don't feel right. Yeah. Or at least it's- pulling them offline. I'd say that on that note, I think I have the same people. We talked about this a little bit before, but most everybody that's worked here doesn't have a design background. So they'll always kindly default to me on any design questions, which is both good. But I think I've also tried to foster like, no, you need to have your own design feelings because I can't just have all the feelings or it'll... A, nothing will ever get done because I'll just sit there and stew on it too long and because nobody's arguing with me about it. But uh, what was the other side of that? Apparently I'm spacey today. Um, Insert space sample. Oh, the other side of that, kind of unrelated but related, is the whole idea that like, I feel like it's very common. The older you get in anything, life, you start to get more and more closed-minded about your potential things you design. Because I'll immediately start to cancel out all the, well, that's going to cost too much or the, you know, that would take us forever to finish or you kind of start killing those things. Whereas in contrast, I would have probably never made this desk, right? Like that led to so much else that was good, even if it in itself was a problem. Um, 
And that naivety, like we said before, the naivety is so valuable. And I actually like really enjoy that when I start working with somebody and they don't have all the like, they ask the questions that maybe some people go, well, why are you? That's stupid. Why would you say that or something? And I'm like, these are the kind of naive questions we need. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> I always feel like they get to a good place with they ask questions, you know, any any type of naivety usually isn't hindered then by experience that could hinder a potential good solution in any way. Yeah, yeah. That's a great point. I've been kind of a bit of a tangent, but I've been aware of that in the last few weeks. We've as I've handed off production management. And I'm no longer the person, the sort of the key person to come and ask about how to do that or what to do next or blah, blah, blah. I'm jealous. And (laughs) I've had a few moments of kind of being aware of like, I've got an answer for almost everything in the shop and that's not necessarily a good thing. I need to get that out of my head. But I was asking myself, like, why do I have an answer for all these things? And it's like, in terms of naivety, it's because I have naively tried to do everything mm-hmm. related mm-hmm. to this business and I've mm-hmm. failed and I've made mistakes and I've, you know, I've pulled everything apart and I've broken everything and I've failed at everything. And so in doing so, I now have a lot of sort of built up answers and knowledge around mm-hmm. these broken things. Yeah, that's the good side of it for sure is yeah, yeah. when you have the experienced person that says, you're going to cut your finger off. Don't put your hand in front of that spinning thing, you know, like, yeah. or, you know, this takes longer or whatever it is. I mean, there's the kind of logistical side to it, but for sure, mm. that's got to be a weird experience though. I'm sure they're still coming to you for some yeah. stuff. It's just not the majority. Uh, yeah. Just not being the default. Okay. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. 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 Just no one's that's cool. It's good. Sounds great. It's a good thing. Yeah. I'm getting way more product development time done during the day, not just in the early morning now, which is nice. So you've changed your schedule, your diary some? I've just e- extended my Ooh. development slot yeah. longer into the morning. That's nice. Getting it done. I'm going to fill up my coffee. Mm-hmm. Still feeling that wallaby in my quads a little bit. <laughs> the wallaby. Mm-hmm. The wallabeast. <laughs> what are your hobbies, Just mm-hmm. Business. <laughs> Designing and making things. It's kind of been a weird, um, I don't know what to say. Like it's, it's kind of been somewhat negative, I suppose, especially in like my personal relationships of like that. I have definitely verged towards what most would probably consider like workaholism. And in my take on that, I've, I kind of recognize that more. I think it's probably better to have a break and not do what's considered work. Even if I like truthfully feel like I enjoy a lot of the times, like my free time, let's just say, of work would be more on the design side and less on the like solving some logistical problem, you know, designing a product or I feel like that's my like release time of there's no responsibility. So that was always great. And I'm actually, I don't know, pretty bad otherwise at hobby type things. I play video games with my brother online, like oh, they, over the internet. That's about that's non work. Nice. A little bit of non-work. Mm. How about you? Yeah, I used to play a lot of video games in my youth. Good old man. <laughs> I can't remember the last time. Oh, no, it's within the last three years that I had a little bit of a binge. But it was only a few sessions. I rediscovered StarCraft. Oh, like, that's what, oh. one of the games my brother and I used to play like crazy when we were kids. Yeah, same. Yeah, and I used to play a that's lot funny. of stuff. I think that's a certain... It's probably during design school when I was still playing quite heavily. And oh, yeah. as I sort of realized how, I suppose, important it was to me, at a certain point, I sort of realized how much, you know, where the time balance was. And I, yeah. I turned gaming off at some point during that period and sort of focused on probably my fourth year of school was where I sort of switched mm-hmm. campus a bit and kind of never really got back into that space in a big way. But, um, mm. I, I, yeah, I don't know. On StarCraft, do you hear the Zerg noises in movies ever? Do we hear them in movies? I can't like sound effects. Oh, man. I hear it all the time. Like, I mean, I'm playing that game for like, what, 20 years now. 
And it's like every movie with an alien in it, I hear that like creepy <laughs> crelly zerg noises. I always find it funny. I'm like, oh, there's only six noises we use for aliens, apparently, and Zerg is one of them. <laughs> deep that's a deep cut for all of you non no, I like it. Starcrafters. I think my equivalent these days in terms of that sort of headspace is probably podcasts. Mm. So looping back to reply all, I listened to the last episode. Last night on my ride home. And I've got this funny thing with podcasts because I can't listen to them when I'm doing sort of active brain work, Mm -hmm. like, you know, quoting sales, anything computery. I typically can't sort of listen to anything but music. But when I do listen to podcasts in bulk is when I've been on the tools for periods of time. So, like, you know, last year trying to get a big job out the door. It was, you know, just me on the weekend, headphones in, listening yep. to like back-to-back episodes mm-hmm. of Reply All or something like that. And so I get this thing where I've linked very specific memories to episodes. Oh, interesting. So like, it's kind of almost in a photographic way of like hmm. I'm picturing an orbital sander on a birch top with Osmo oil and the smell and the feel of that oil going in linked to this moment in a podcast. Yeah. So I feel like I've got the hundreds of these little links to like menial production processes and some mm. moment in a podcast. Interesting. I used to have to with me yeah. for music all the time when I was a kid. Like I have specific songs and specific driving instances of like a certain vehicle I had in yeah. high school, you know? So I get that. Mm. What was the reply episode? Do you remember? You were that link. Sanding, sanding birch tops. I couldn't, I couldn't give you the episode. Nah. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I love that show. I mean, not to dive too deep into that. It was such a great show. Like, really nothing like it. I, I, maybe the equivalent would be like the internet version of This American Life, potentially. I feel like they did it, did stories in a different way than most. And they always had this amazing, like, catch to them or like a solution that was like, well, how did that happen? out of nowhere or you found the right person or and then kind of had a crappy year or so after that whole scandal and kind of felt like it died at that point yeah for sure yeah i think they did a really they managed to get a really good balance between sort of trivial techie fun stuff and humor and stories that you know Mm -hmm. cry like yeah i remember over the years like if i ever sort of tear up listening to a podcast i'm like oh jam you have not had enough sleep i'm working too hard because i know that little that tiny little anecdote in that podcast just made me cry which is fine and yeah yeah important but it was kind of this trigger point of like oh okay crying again like i've been working too hard i haven't had enough sleep i totally get that yeah note to self Uh uh-huh crying at my desk Nobody yeah. notices. Oh, I noticed you on that topic. I think I've seen videos you posted somewhere. What do you do? A, I didn't realize you used Osmo to like this week, which is interesting because we love that stuff. And it's just interesting to see it spread throughout the world in different ways. What do you use? Do you use a sander with that? Like a pad somehow? Ask uh, that something? Is that what that was? Is it absorbing Ren, or are you spreading it at that point? Mm, we spread it. Hypnotic. Oh, look, it's a deep, deep conversation. Osmo application. Sexy. Yeah, it is. Um, Joe and Kyle will be into this, don't worry. Typically, we spread it with a white Scotch Bright Uh attached to a pneumatic orbital sander. Mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. Tip a bit of, like, assuming we're doing a big surface here, like a tabletop, tip a bit of Osmo on, orbital it on with a Scotch Bright. And that kind of really pushes it into the pores of the timber. But wow. it's quite an uneven coat at this point. Kind of spread it, you know, both axes. Get full coverage and then switch the Scotch-Brite off the orbital. Put a clean white microfiber. Just Velcro it straight onto the orbital. And then <laughs> polish it. Not polish it, but, you know, buff it flat with the orbital with the microfiber cloth. Nothing else? You don't, like, wipe it up first? No. No. 
Because the Scotch Rite's got it quite flat and consistent. Like, it's still a bit lumpy and weird, but then you yeah. come back with the microfiber and that flattens it off nicely. So that's kind of first coat, then maybe sand, mid-coat sand with 800 grit, something really fine just to knock the dust off the top. And then okay. repeat that process for another, at least one more coat, but sometimes a third on a tabletop. Wow. That's it's very interesting. I've seen, I mean, I kind of learned through watching people do it on, youtube with little scotch brights but it was always like a hand process we've always done i mean a lot of furniture you it feels like you can't get it you have to kind of do stuff by hand like that anyway certain shapes but yeah we like a table leg or something like an on on an open desk leg we we just rag it all in yeah 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 big juicy wet rag of osmo and just get it everywhere and then come back with a dry microfiber or semi-dry microfiber and just like take off all the excess and that's fine for more complex shapes some good process porn i know this is what the people come for yeah. so i wanted to get into it now that's very uh, interesting but- i it must also that probably helps use less on the you know to spread it around that way because then you don't have much like we've used like rollers little foam rollers before and that's we pretty efficient that. but i'd say the worst is just dabbing a cloth and then rubbing it or like a, if you just do it by hand with something, it feels like you use the most that way. Yeah. You're going to lose a lot in the cloth, right? Yeah. I quite like, we've dabbled with this technique. I've got, I like when I see people using like a rubber plastic scraper to oh, yeah. apply it. Like, so that's yeah. another good, I've seen that like flooring contractors do that or like COC mm-hmm. do that with big, or they used to do that with big tabletops. I remember when COC came out and visited us there was a lot of osmo talk at the time well everyone's got different methods yeah but yeah we tried that for a while with the scraper and that's quite good so aaron who works here he's kind of always been the osmo the osmo king we kind of fell into a spot years ago where he was the one doing making all our tables so therefore he was the one doing the most sort of osmo application and it's you know it's probably thousands of words written in workflowy about how to do it in our production standards and then you know there's been lots of different versions of that over the year years as we've changed our techniques but very cool um, yeah i'd love what i'd love to try a uv cured osmo at some point have you ever looked at that i have it's pretty it's pretty sweet you do you use it for light and it's done that is crazy i mean it dries so dang fast that's like one of the things we love about it is how fast it and well it always dries like there's it seems like you can't mess it up in a certain way you just keep knocking it down and yeah. Rubbing a little bit back and it's good again. Yeah. 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 It's good in that sense. But we only use it on a few products. Typically, we spray a polyurethane clear coat, water based clear coat on most products. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous of your spray booth. That's something we oh, so good. basically chose a mill instead of a spray booth. Yeah. Which I can understand why. <laughs> I don't know. At this point, like, hopefully we find a good use for that dang thing. But mill's much more exciting. For definitely, but I mean, it gets a lot of work. I bet. Do you have multiple people that do the spraying? Yeah, pretty much everyone. Wow, nice. Sprays. Yeah, very cool. Well, yeah, I, I can understand why businesses do this, and they just have one finisher. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it's and maybe we'll get to that point in the same way that we've got a CNC machinist now, like a lead machinist. Maybe we'll have a lead finisher one day, but. It's always felt like one of those jobs to me that's pretty repetitive and meaningful. Yeah. And maybe you can get excited about like the new, you know, <laughs> new gear and get your processes really dialed. And maybe, you know, obviously there are professional finishers out there who are really into it and great at it. Yeah. So maybe we'll get to that point. But at the moment, it's one of those jobs that just pretty much anyone can do. Hmm. We're all, all trained up to a point where anyone's comfortable jumping in the booth and laying down some. Sweet coats are clear. Yeah, I think it'd be tough. I guess I I know very little about finishing, uh, as as exemplified by my asking. I also just like to hear about how other people. Osmo seems like one of those things that can be like completely different based on who's applying it. Mm. But spray finishing, I don't know much about, and it's always seemed like I've heard there's always like one or two people that do most of it, and that does tend to cause a bottleneck because I know like one of our neighbors that does some painting, they only have one painter. And it comes in, I think he comes in like once or twice a week. And other than that, they just wait for him to come in, you know? Yeah. In that case, I think it's a little bit more skill 
based, but oh, it is very skill based. I think yeah, to do it well, yeah, definitely. Our spray booth is a bit a bit of a bottleneck for us, so we've got a two point four meter wide water wall. If you haven't seen it on Instagram, and it's the water wall's fantastic. We've only cleaned it out once in the three years we've had it set up. The heck's a water wall? Yeah. Oh yeah, water wall spray. I'll have, to, I'll have to look at this. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's a tank of water. It's probably oh wow, thousand, thousand liters of water in the bottom. Oh, and a huge fan that powers the airflow up top. And hmm. miraculously, through some magic of like angled steel battens, it sucks water up to the top tank. Mm-hmm. So there's no pumps in it. It's completely sort of static, other than that fan sitting on top. And it magically sucks water up and then creates this waterfall effect. And so the overspray gets captured by the waterfall and then filtered behind in a series of wet battens and stuff and produces really clean air out, out of the exhaust. Do you exhaust it outside? Yeah, it goes up through the roof. Okay. I was like, for a second, I was thinking like, it's so clean that you just put it back into the shop and it's like, holy moly. Probably could because we're using water-based paints. Probably actually could do that. Uh, I don't. If you're using oil-based or solvent-based paints, I don't think that would be a good idea. But uh, yeah, it's cool. And so then there's a coagulant that's added to the water that just makes all the paint particles kind of stick together and float to the bottom. Sink, float to the bottom, sink to the bottom. And then yeah, annually or whatever service schedule, you got to get in there and like shovel out all this like goop. Mm-hmm. Clean out the McDonald's for our... <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those jobs. But it's a good thing. But yeah, we're, we're maxing out capacity in that booth. Like we've got, mm, just looking at our table, we've got about 45 jobs live at the moment and the majority of those have got clear code on them. And so, yeah, it's a pretty busy corner of the workshop. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds... It's one thing we've never really offered and I've found some outsourcing of finishing, but it doesn't ever... If you can offer it, I think it, it would be a lot smoother for the client and for us, but never really done finishing mm-hmm. for people because it's just, eh, I don't know. It's just tough when you don't have a space dedicated to it. Like you got to really control yeah. the air and we're not totally. Our next thing is to build a bit of a drying room because it's, oh. you know, it's really yep. cold at, at the moment, probably not by American standards, but for Australia, it's pretty cold. Like it's minus, probably minus <laughs> one at the moment. It's pretty cold. And when you're spraying a whole bunch of water-based clear on parts and the workshop's, you know, close to zero, it's not a particularly happy time for paint drying. Yeah. My Um, very short story about that is when I got my first shop out of the garage, I went into this shared shop and it had like 26 foot high ceilings and it was basically an open shed on the ends. And it was super cold that winter. And the space that I actually got was a spray booth that was unpermitted from the city. (laughs) And there, I remember seeing on the door of it when I went to go tour the space, like where I was supposed to move in, there was still the spray booth. There's a ticket from the city. It was like $30,000 fine. And I was just like, that's literally always scared me to like, we're not doing anything close to unpermitted spraying. Because yeah. that's a crazy amount of money. But I got that I got that shop space because that person <laughs> didn't get a permit. Sheesh. Yeah. yeah, so we want to build a little drying room. I'd love to do it with a sawdust burning heater. So Ooh. we get our sawdust happening as the heat source for that drying room. But we need to get the insurance company on board before we do that. You know, like heat some water outside or something and then like keep the burning outside of your space. So that yeah, it's not- that's... One way like to a radiator, it. yeah, make like a hydronic system, yeah, thing the warmth in. But yeah, mm-hmm. maybe by next winter we'll have something sorted out, yeah. But our winters are pretty mild, like it's cold now because it's you know 7 a.m. and it's probably frosty out there. But by 10 o'clock, it'll be sunny and like warm, and we can push drying trolleys out into the sun. And yeah, 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 use your solar panels somehow to like re radiate inside. Well, that's, yeah, that's the other approach. It's just to use that excess electric energy. It's pretty more. Yeah. yeah. I like the dust version. Make pucks. Mm, that'd be nice. Just don't, just don't tell anybody. They'll never know. How would it, how would they ever know? How would they ever know when we've published something on the internet? I don't know. 
Don't know. What are you going to work on this week? Oh, I'm going to... This week's pretty much over for me. Oh, yeah. Thursday. Just forget about that. Oh. By next week. I've got a planning session with the business coaches this morning. Ooh. Which goes pretty much all morning. Wow. And then afternoon, I'll probably do some frantic quoting for things that I've promised people this week, and the day will be over. Mm-hmm. End of story. Yeah. you? And we're kind of working out the last final, like, scale-up production kinks of dust boots. I've got to quote stuff, the, duck, the, the Tower of Duck. I'm starting to work on a little bit of my R&D time will probably be spent, like, the uh, aluminum pedestals for the ATC. I really want to oh, cool. start yeah. to prototype those in a way that's producible on a larger scale because that would be a sweet job for the mill to start working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people are starting to ask about those, which is nice because, they. I mean, my whole thought was that they would work hand-in-hand with uh, the dust boot and... Yeah, people seem interested in those. Yeah. Maybe we could replace our janky carousel tool changer with one of those. I always thought the it's funny because I think the carousels are kind of cool. Like, and and yours, whenever you have it, right? It's like now you want the opposite, and I want. I'm like, oh, the carousel is pretty cool and fast. (laughs) It's really not fast. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Good, good. Are you still managing to do a little bit of default diary structure? I got real bad the last few weeks with my lack of mm. being in a normal place and time. And yeah, I'd like to get back into that. Also, just having the thing I've struggled with is when I don't have the things for each of the periods of time, then I kind of like let the whole thing slide. But I, I think my favorite part that I think just stuck because I don't like doing it is I don't feel so guilty about not doing quotes immediately. I like feel fine. I'm like, well, this isn't the time to do quotes. You know, mm-hmm. that's tomorrow at whatever time. <laughs> yeah, that worked well for me too. Nice. Yeah. No. no. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see how yours evolves now that you've changed so much of your responsibilities. Yeah, that's always a bit of a moving beast. But yeah. All right. We should business head off. Ponzi scheme. <laughs> business Ponzi scheme. We taking next week off. Is that the plan? Ah, yeah, I think probably best. I'll I'll be doing some form of camping. Enjoy. Yeah, can't sit in my bed and podcast from an Airbnb this time. It's my little time off this summer. Enjoy it. Mm Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. See you, man. Thanks. Have a good week. Bye. Bye. Well, yeah, we'll get back to our Ponzi schemes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <That> sounds good. <laughs> See ya. Yeah, bye. Bye.